Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We're digging into the digital revolution. We're delighted to have with us today, Howard Beauville, Senior Vice President of IBM Cloud. They've been doing some interesting things lately and uh, Howard is gonna give us a little bit of an update on what's going on there. Howard, good morning. It's always a pleasure to see you. Pleasure to see you as well, Bob. So Howard, lots of work going on. You've been uh, with uh, IBM now, is it about a year and a half, is that right? It is 18 months. I joined in May of last year. Yeah, zooming by this. So, Howard, what's up with you these days? What are the, the top things that, that you're working on? We just continue to be hyper-focused on the four markets um, in regulated industries, um, healthcare, telecommunications, financial services, and government. Um, and are just really kind of working with the industries that we have just mentioned to build capabilities that are relevant for them in a hybrid, multi-cloud context. Um, so having a lot of fun essentially building the products that I was interested in getting in my old role as a CIO, but also really working very closely with um, lots of different business leaders in those industries to really understand what it is they can get to deliver business value as opposed to simply moving workloads from their environments to another environment. Um, and the market is really um, responding very well to the actual thesis that we have, that having specialist clouds is where the real value can be derived. Howard, that is a, that's a theme that you've certainly mentioned before and the significance of, uh, you know, as you've said, there's no value to be gained by just shifting something from one platform to another. But you've been very bullish on the notion that once that you those new sorts of clouds that you mentioned have those new sorts of capabilities for security and regulatory issues and compliance and so forth built in that a lot of these big organizations in those four heavily regulated industries are going to move to the cloud can you give us a progress report on that yeah sure so we um we continue to build out the actual capabilities when i when i started 18 months ago um, I guess I, if I reflect back now, what, what we started was an open source project for controls. Um, so what we did was spin, spin up three financial services um, groups, one for chief information and chief technology officers, the second for chief risk officers, and the third for um, chief information security officers, all of which have a different aperture on life and the problems that they solve for, and that was the reason for having three separate ones. The other actual guiding principle was to have them global because we wanted to capture the subtleties or the nuances of regulations in different jurisdictions. Um, so we pulled anchor customers or anchor prospects from all points on the compass. Um, if you fast forward to where we are now, we got, um, oh, sorry, we, we started then with eight, eight banks, but we fast forward to where we are now, we got 70 plus um, financial services institutions, all contributing their actual control frames as it relates to all variants of cloud. So cloud service provider um, controls, but also software as a service, so third party and fourth party risk, which has been much publicized over the past 18 months. Yeah. We then take those capabilities and build them into our platform um, so that the community that we've created is assured that those controls sit within their, the environments that they're actually consuming from. And in addition, um, the third-party software service providers that sit on the platform also inherit the actual controls, um, which is a huge value to the financial services community and also to the SaaS providers themselves. And that's really where our laser focus has been in terms of developing capabilities against that and taking it directly from this increasing community that we have. 
It's been incredible success in terms of you can tell the membership reaching from eight to 70 plus. Um, but we're changing the charter now as we speak, uh, because initially, as I mentioned, the charter was tied to global institutions. What we are now doing is actually going to regional, so continental, um, because in every um, jurisdiction, there are slight differences in terms of how regulators think about um, cloud. Um, and Europe, where I just come from, is certainly a very vibrant market from a regulatory perspective with a lot of um, conversations and policy discussions around sovereign clouds. Howard, that is, uh, it sounds like, a, you know, quite an adventure there. And uh, it's something that you deal with uh, every day, 24 hours a day. But could you describe a little bit what you mean there about sovereign cloud? Because I'm starting to hear that term apply, not just toward uh, issues around data, but also the software itself. And it sounds like, you know, you're out at the forefront of what's going on with that. So what are the big concerns around sovereign? Why is that so important now? Yeah, I mean, IBM is always at the, the, the forefront of these kind of discussions, and we're very actively involved and have been involved with policymakers around the world as to how they think about um, protecting their nationalistic interests, um, their sovereign interests, but ensure that also um, technology can allow them to do so. So this has been an emerging trend in terms of how nation states, sovereign states think about using technology, particularly within Europe. Um, it started about three or four years ago when there was potentially a push to fabricate silicon chips in countries that actually is as diminished in terms of a push because of the complexity and the actual um, costs to do so but it's now started to move into cloud and as you quite rightly mentioned bob it's also moving into software so uh, nation states are starting to think about policies whereby to consume software or to consume cloud services the provider has to have a majority stake within its legal entity within the currency country that it provides services. And that's leading to a whole range of different thought processes as to how you'd accommodate that, one of which is forming partnerships within country um, uh, entities that actually are headquartered there and building capabilities with them. And Howard, I, I also just wanted to come back and um, see if you could connect that too with those three different groups of C-level officers that you described there and why it was so important to have something that appeals specifically to each of those three groups. Can you just expand on that a little bit, please? Yeah, so the, uh, the, the actually I'll put it into a kind of a context of the three-legged stool of what a, all of those three groups will think about. Um, and all of that is wrapped in terms of how can they move at a very quick rate and pace to help their companies still remain relevant to the marketplaces that they operate within. And to do that, the guiding principle that any leader would have would be around three areas. The first is how are they deriving the highest level of productivity from the assets that they have employed to compete in the marketplaces, whether they're people, software, cloud capabilities, infrastructure capabilities, and their supply chain. The second is how they actually get value creation from that. So how does the work with all of those components, all of those raw materials, if you like, deliver value for their customers and their shareholders um, but the third area is the actual control. So what controls do they have to be adherent to to um, still operate in a way that they're getting the optimal level of productivity and value creation? And the thesis that we've been working on and started with and has proven to be completely correct is the ability to actually get a productivity and value creation at a very quick pace can be either impeded or accelerated by how thoughtful you are about the controls that you have to live within. 
And therefore working with a platform, which is IBM's platform for regulated industries, where we built these controls in from the outset means that that's one element of the three-legged stool you don't have to worry about. And in addition to that, you know that you're working within the wisdom of clouds and crowds um, <laughs> because um, we're actually taking the community control frameworks and therefore everything gets a little bit better based upon the different risk postures institutions have. Um, and that's all baked into um, what we build. All of that means that we de-risk cloud consumption and all its variants, um, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, and also um, software as a service. But it means they can get after value creation and productivity far more quickly. And Howard, along those lines, you know, you mentioned the, the wisdom of the crowd. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, was it difficult to convince 70 plus financial institutions, each which you know wants to be successful in its own right, to share some of these ideas and in some ways best practices? Or uh, you know, it, it sounds like an ideal situation, but uh, I, I imagine there was some hesitancy among some of them, right? So how did you do that? Um, it's, it's like anything, getting a, a large thing moving requires a lot of energy initially, but then it starts to actually build momentum. Um, or or um, you could also look at kind of the law of network effects. So when we started with eight, um, if half of that eight, uh, um, eight participating banks would share with their other banks, that would get us to 12. Um, so therefore, a, a movement forward, but not large. But when you get to 50% of 70, you then get 35, which then becomes 105. And you start to get an exponential lift in terms of the number of um, institutions that are interesting to do this. Now, initially, um, when you start with an idea, when you start with an idea as an entrepreneur for a new business, um, you need to understand whether that idea actually has got market relevance. And that was the initial concerns when we started this endeavor to build industry clouds. Obviously, IBM was the first um, cloud provider to declare the whole notion of industry clouds. Um, um, but now we've got to this, this growing momentum. It's evident that the problem that we're solving for is one that's a global problem. The secondary element is... is um, Beyond the three councils, we do a lot of work, and IBM always has, as I've mentioned earlier, with policymakers. So we work with policymakers, lawmakers, um, regulators to also get soundings in terms of the approach that we have and ensuring that we are actually helping them on their core mission, which is to de-risk cloud consumption. Um, the, um, and in the case of financial services, to ensure that there's no systemic risk introduced into the environment from things such as concentration risk, things such as cybersecurity and so on. Um, and that has resonated really well with the policymakers and the actual uh, regulators, as with three central banks and uh, the European Central Bank last week, um, all talking through how we drive this as a collective approach to policy. And then the final point um, around this is at no point has IBM declared that this will be a proprietary advantage that we have, that you can only get these controls from um, IBM's cloud. We've always had the design philosophy that the world will be hybrid and multi-cloud. And therefore the capabilities that we provide can extend to other cloud providers and does extend to other cloud providers and also extend to your on-premise environment. Meeting this design philosophy, the strategy that our chief executive Arvind Krishna has us on in terms of hybrid multi-cloud. We do that through a capability called satellite, which allows customers to build once and run anywhere, which helps with a regulatory concern around interoperability and portability, uh, particularly in the event of um, an IT operational um, uh, issue or a cybersecurity issue. 
but it also means that customers can do with cloud what they've always done on premise, which is to make decisions as to where they place their workloads relative to the risk posture of the actual supporting business processes. Um, so obviously the deepest level of controls, particularly with the confidential compute capabilities that we have sit with IBM, um, but other providers um, capabilities are far better suited and best positioned in say the front office processes. IBM's heritage is in the mid office and the back office. Um, and that's tied because of our mainframe platform. Our mainframe runs the systems of records in the back office processes for all of these industries. And that essentially is the sun in our solar system and our capabilities then will orbit around that. Not dissimilar to say Microsoft with their productivity suite being the sun within their solar system that sits more in the front office business processes and everything they have orbits around those processes. Um, so we see, as I've always mentioned, very limited competition with the different cloud providers because we're very clear on the swim lanes that we have. And it ties to the heritage assets that IBM has delivered to with great value for our customers for decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, Howard, it sounds like a, a big challenge and that you're you're well into this. Um, can I ask, so you're, all the points that you've raised here, specifically around these things with heavily regulated industries, would IBM uh, with the hybrid cloud platform strategy and that being the core here, so is IBM open to working with, you mentioned Microsoft, uh, Amazon, Google Cloud as part of this? Yeah, we, we work very closely with all of those um, okay. companies, both in a go-to-market, uh, an operational and an engineering basis. Um, we believe that we're uniquely positioned as a consequence of that. Um, uh, and we're meeting customers, not only where they are, but where they want their architectures to be. Um, in our context, um, we don't turn up saying the answer is cloud, what's the question? <laughs> we're more interested in understanding the problem and how customers derive business value. And with a rich palette of services that we have with IBM Consulting, our software portfolio, our hardware portfolio, our cloud portfolio, and the very rich range of ecosystem partners that include Azure, um, uh, AWS, Google, and Alibaba, which we've done integrations into as well, um, we feel we're best positioned to help customers on this very complex journey to actually derive value from a technology component, which is cloud, to deliver business value for their um, shareholders. Um, Howard, thanks. That's that's uh, interesting to know. I, I I just wasn't aware that you had had established that strong relationship because there was a point at which IBM was trying to, uh, you know, be a, a full time player in that infrastructure service. So it, I think it it's very consistent with what you've said throughout here about the openness, and uh, you know, driving that unique set type of value that IBM has now its own lane and its own niche here in which to work. So yeah. I think that's got to be something that, especially in those big regulated industries, big banks, they have enough things going on, as you've described, that they don't want to have to come in here and, you know, referee fights among technology providers. Absolutely. So, so we're, we're um, not interested in go to war. We're interested in making peace treaties mm -hmm. uh, and ensuring that everyone can kind of collaborate together in, in a meaningful way. And that does require some deep levels of uh, engineering in terms of the getting the interoperability across the different platforms, how you think about the operating models that provide a seamless experience for customers and working with customers based upon whatever operating model that they would want to work within. Um, we separated with um, our strategic outsourcing business um, last week, uh, which is Kindrel, which will be a very successful business as a standalone business. But one element that we had as a constraint as IBM, which is now primarily a technology company, was 
that we came in with a very prescriptive approach in terms of how you would do day two run. We felt that business model wasn't appropriate for the assets, the technology assets that we now have as a company. We wanted to have flexibility and provide choice to our customers. Um, and therefore, it was important for us to make that separation. It also helps Kindrel be very focused on the actual business that they have and also have the, the relationships that they would need to have to be successful in their domain. So separating the two obviously creates opportunity for both companies and is entirely aligned with the strategy um, that Arvin brought in in April of last year, which is that we're, we're an open hybrid multi-cloud provider. And if you think about kind of the steps to that journey, IBM has always been very active in open source. We're one of the key founders in Linux when it first came around. But with the acquisition of Red Hat, open, uh, Red Hat we're, we're a, a key um, open source um, provider distribu distributor. And it's very much now within the philosophy of how we think about working with customers and meeting them to meet their needs. And Howard, the last question I wanted to ask you, you mentioned a moment ago, IBM Consulting, which had been global business services. And it's always seemed like that is just an incredible combination that IBM can have here, the technological teams that you're leading and those very deep industry expertise that uh, IBM Consulting now has. So good progress on that. Great progress. Um, Double-digit growth um, over the last quarter. Um, Mark Foster, uh, John Granger, Kelly Shambles are doing a superb job in terms of driving that business in the right direction. We're all very happy that we've now called it what it is, which is consulting. Um, the, um, so um, that's so helpful in the marketplace. Um, and it's playing really well in terms of the approach they take as a consulting practice. So from the brands that we have, the capabilities, clearly we're opinionated about the business value that we can deliver with them. The beautiful thing that IBM Consulting provide is that they are non-opinionated. They will actually work with a customer and then work with a broader range of partners. So they are actually the key element of the partnerships that we have with Microsoft, AWS, and other providers, and are doing really well in terms of the level of capabilities and skills that they have and the deep partnerships on that operational side. From a brand perspective, we're leading the way in terms of the engineering across the different platforms to ensure that the points of integration are there. Howard, that's uh, great. It's uh, heartening to hear, you know, all this progress on many fronts. As you said, a lot of hard work going into putting together first that eight, then the 70, uh, coming together nicely. Howard, anything else you wanted to be sure to mention as we wrap up? The, um, I mean, the, the key thing about IBM now is to understand what it is as opposed to what it was. Um, we, we understand that that will take time. Um, um, but in the same way as we're an open company that provides choice, um, it's great to have these opportunities to actually reposition IBM as a company and get people to understand with an open mind where we are. But what I would say is, I've, as I mentioned at the beginning of the call, I just come back from a European trip where I was in the UK, France, Germany, and Spain last week. Um, and I met with um, 30 customers. And the level of positivity towards um, the IBM brand and this pivot that we're making as a company um, as we go through the next transformation of which IBM has been through many in its hundred plus years uh, is being really, really well received, particularly the approach around being hybrid on-prem, off-prem and multi-cloud. Um, we created the number of firsts when IBM declared under Arvin the actual strategy of hybrid multi-cloud that gave many CIOs an ability to actually breathe out and say, okay, I'm not the Luddite after, what, after all, things will still be on-premise and things will be multi-cloud. And then when we declared, declared as a first, the industry clouds, and then with the um, imitation is the best form of flattery, the other cloud providers following, um, it's good to see that IBM's now in a position where we're innovating at the way we are. The final point I'll make in terms of the other cloud providers having their industry offerings, 
Um, again, we don't see that as competitive because each cloud provider comes from where their strengths and their assets are. And I mentioned, obviously, Microsoft very strong in the front office space as it relates to their Outlook offerings. We're more in the mid office and back office areas. So it actually allows everybody to be a lot clearer as to where the swim lanes are and where we all operate and, and where we can deliver value. Yeah, it's a very exciting time, Howard. And with that, you know, as, as uh, booming as the entire cloud market is overall, I, I think the industry cloud business in at least 22 and 23, it's going to be the, the hottest segment, you know, of that whole category. It's just something that customers seem to be, you know, as you alluded to a moment ago, it's like, okay, finally, you know, they've got something that I really want and need and I'm ready for. Good. Well, thank you, Bob. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I always enjoy the, uh, the conversation and the, and the questions. Thank you, Howard. It's been great to see you. Thanks for your time here today. And folks, thanks for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live for this conversation with IBM Senior Vice President Howard Beauville. See you next time.